Okay, let's take our Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. It's where we were last week. We started a new series last week, talking about uh, Christian pitfalls. Last week we began with the pitfall of lust. And we mentioned that pitfalls are, it's kind of the idea of having some kind of hole or a trap that, that's lightly covered so that something or someone uh, falls into it. And of course, in the spiritual realm, we're talking about how the devil and his workers would certainly like to trip up God's people and get them snared, get them in a pit, get them in a pit of discouragement, get them in sin, get them trapped so they can't get out. And many times when people get in sin, they feel exactly like that. They feel that they're trapped. They can't get out. But God wants to get us out, and we can get out if we uh, seek his help. And so we want to just quickly read these verses in in light of a review here. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 5, but with them, talking about the children of Israel, with many of them, God was not well pleased. So why wasn't he well pleased? It would be good for us to figure that out. And it says, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. That's how we know they were, God was not well pleased, because he overthrew them. He punished them. And verse 6 gives us a little bit more light on the subject. Now, these things were our examples to the intent. We should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. So here's the pitfall of lust. God's people fell into the pitfall of lust. And God says it's an evil thing. When when we lust after evil things, we shouldn't be lusting and desiring after evil things. And he gives some uh, an idea of what his people were lusting after. And in verse number seven, neither be idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And so we noted first that uh, the first type of lust that they fell into was idolatry, which included the whole idea of focusing on playing. It's, it's entertainment and how many sports and, and Hollywood heroes uh, are, are just that. They're heroes. They're idols. And it leads to idolatry, which is a form of lust. It continues in verse number 8. It says, uh, Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. And fornication is obviously lust. When most people hear the word lust, they automatically think of uh, immorality and, and this idea of fornication. And it's included for certain. But it's not just that. It's these other things that are mentioned in this passage. Verse number 9. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted uh, and were destroyed of serpents. The idea of tempting Christ. They wanted something that God did not want them to have at that time. And I gave you some other uh, verses that you could look up. Then in verse number 10. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured. And we're destroyed of this destroyer. So God hates complaining. Complaining is also a form of lust. It's a, it's a passion. It's an unlawful desire. That's the idea of lust. An unlawful desire. Forbidden desire. We're, we're forbidden to murmur and complain. And yet, we do. And we think that's just okay. It's not a bad sin. God's putting it in the list of some other pretty bad sins here, isn't he? 
And he destroyed people for that, just like he destroyed people for tempting God, just like he destroyed people for fornication. None of our lusts are helpful to us. They're all bad and they all hurt us. And we'll talk more about that today. And then wrapping it up there in verse number 11. Now all these things happened unto them for ensamples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So God put these things in the scriptures to be an example to us that we wouldn't follow these things. God doesn't want us to follow after evil things. Meaning God doesn't want us to fulfill our fleshly lusts. And the more you, you and I do, the more you and I are going to have problems in the Christian life. Let's pray, and we'll uh, continue with our lesson. Lord, we thank you for your word and how clear it is, and we pray that we'll get some more insight into this pitfall of lust that uh, the devil wants us to fall in, you want us to stay clear of. And Lord, hopefully, as we look at some of the other pitfalls in weeks to come, We'll gain some insight from the Word of God to help prevent us from getting trapped in sin so we can stay uh, free to serve you. Freedom is not fulfilling our lusts like the world teaches and worldly Christians. There's a lot of churches, Lord, that teach that they have freedom in Christ, meaning they can have freedom to do what they want, freedom to sin, freedom to disobey you, and it's really not freedom at all, it's bondage. So I pray that as we look at your word that we'll gain some help, insight, and Lord, most of all, that you'd work on our hearts to have a will to uh, forsake sin and to deal with these things and not to, to love our sin and, and to fulfill our lusts, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we, we got through point number one. If you have your outline, we'll look today at point number two. Maybe point number three, but hopefully point number two. Uh, so point number two, another question, what will lust lead to? So we, we saw what is lust last week, just reviewed that quickly. Now let's look at, secondly, what will lust lead to? So if we fulfill our lusts, God says don't do it. Now I'm doing a topical study here, and so I can't tell you everything that the Bible says about every subject that we talk about. But I'll give you a few, a few things that I think will be helpful to you. Uh, the first one is, letter A, if you have your outline, if you want to keep your notes there, is conflict. Conflict. Now, we, we talk, we hear about, uh, on the news, the conflict in the Middle East. What are they meaning about the conflict in the Middle East? They're referring to what? War. And that's exactly what we have here. You have in your handout some verses, some passages you can look up with me. And so we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter number 2, uh, verse number 11. We'll, we'll look at this verse a couple of times um, once today, and I believe uh, next week as well, just kind of from different angles. But First Peter chapter 2, verse number 11. The Apostle Peter says clearly, he says, Dearly beloved, so he's talking to God's people, I beseech you, I'm begging you, as strangers and pilgrims, we heard 
preaching about that recently, that we're, this, is not, we're, this is not our home. Our citizenship is not here, right? Our citizenship, our conversation, as Dr. Vogel uh, preached uh, the Sunday night there, that our citizenship's in heaven. It's not here. We're just strangers and pilgrims. We shouldn't get too comfortable with this earth. We shouldn't want everything this earth has to offer because everything that this world has to offer isn't good for us. So he says, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain. Uh, we don't like that word, abstain. No one wants to abstain from anything. We want to indulge. But no, no. For the Christian, it's abstain from fleshly lusts. Now get this. It says, which do what? War against the soul. Lusts war against the soul. Just take it on face value here. Lust is against you. Lust isn't for you. Fulfilling your lust isn't going to help you. It's against you. And it lies to you and says, oh, if you do this, you'll be happy. You'll feel good. Things will be better. You'll enjoy. People get in depression and what do they do? They try to get out of it by fulfilling their lusts. You will never entertain your way out of discouragement. It just doesn't happen that way. You can go... You, people go and spend money. I'm depressed. I'm going to go spend money. Oh, yeah, let's go. Spend it all. Go into debt. Now you're more depressed. Well, I'll just uh, take a little pill here. I'll drink a little bit of this. I'll smoke a little bit of that. I'll, I'll make this go away. It just causes more problems. Fulfilling our fleshly lusts never satisfy. They never lead us to uh, fulfillment. And so our lust lies to us, tells us that if we yield to our passions, our life will be so much better, we'll be fulfilled, and it's really just the opposite. By the way, let me mention this. Lust is insatiable. Think of any lust that you've yielded to. Did you just yield to it one time and, oh, that was enough? I never have to have any more? Absolutely not. Lust is insatiable. So really, it, again, it's lying. It's telling you, hey, if you do this, you'll feel better. It'll be all good. It won't be all good because now you become a slave to it. Uh, proof of this is Proverbs 27, 20. The Bible says that the eyes of man are, some of you know the verse, are what? Never satisfied. You can look at something and you can want it. You can walk away from it and your mind's thinking about it. Oh, let me just take one more look and you look at it again. Oh, okay, yeah. Probably shouldn't look at that. Oh, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to. Why do you keep going back to it? Because the eyes of man are never satisfied. And if you're never satisfied with looking, then you're going to have to do something else. You're going to have to partake of it. Fulfilling our lusts never lead to contentment. Never. 
We always want more. So the more you crave, the more conflict that begins to rage in your soul. Because lusts are against you. And war is transpiring. The more lust that you yield to, the more war is going on in your heart and in your life. More conflict. Isn't that what we need in this world today? We need more conflict, don't we? We need more conflict in our souls. We need more conflict in our, in our homes. Isn't it a blessing and a joy when everyone's at each other's throat? We need more conflict in the church. You, you need more conflict at work. And we certainly need more conflict in politics. And you go back to it, and what is it? It's, it's flesh. Everyone just yielding to the flesh and yielding to the flesh, giving into my desires and her giving into her desires and him giving into his desires and everybody giving into their desires. Conflict, war. Read that verse again. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. It's against you. That word war refers to military campaign. Just look it up in Strong's. Where do you guys get this stuff? Study. (laughs) It's a military campaign involving contention. Now, what's the purpose of a military campaign? To defeat the enemy. Your soul, my soul, that's the enemy. Lust wants to destroy you. It wants to destroy me. It wants to destroy contentment in my home. It wants to destroy contentment in my marriage. It wants to destroy uh, all of that in our church, in our personal lives. It's out to conquer us. If someone came up to you with a big knife and just stabbed you a few times, would you say, "Ah, that is a good friend of mine? Would you try to get away from it, that person? Yes, you would. Why? Because they're warring against you. And yet, here we are, we're embracing this lust that figuratively has a big knife just stabbing us Every time we embrace it, hey, I'm going to, oh, you're going to give me a good time? Hey, ow, oh, hey, ow. And we just keep going back to it. You say, that is so stupid. We are so depraved. So we need to learn to see fleshly lusts as an enemy, not as our friend. Okay? And that fleshly lust is an attack. It doesn't benefit us. It hurts us every time. Now, does the world produce some fleshly music? Yes. Is some of it pleasing to your flesh? Absolutely. There's some worldly music out there. Oh, some of you guys have got some, a past 
I could just start naming some 60s stuff. I could name some, some of you, I'd go back to the 50s. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I could name some of the 70s stuff, some of you little 80s, maybe some of you in the 90s. You know, I could start naming some of these things and be like, oh yeah, that was, oh yeah, that was bad. Yeah, but that was good, but that was bad. Right? If you've had any, any exposure and any liking to any of that stuff, some of it appeals to you. Some of it doesn't. There are some, some, they call it genres. There's some genres that just, I'm sorry, it just doesn't appeal to my flesh. But there are some other genres. But wow, that really appeals to my flesh. And I don't want it to, I know it's going to attack my soul. So I don't tune into it because I know it's going to hurt me. And I try not to go to places where I know it's going to be pumping into my head and my heart. And we all have to be careful. There are fleshly lusts out there that you and I like. But they're, they're lusts. They're forbidden desires. Because God says, don't do it. He says, abstain. Right? There are certain types of music where it just promotes violence. You know, they fill, fill their heads and their hearts with, you know, kill this person, kill this person. The next thing you know, you know, they're on the way, you know, with a loaded gun blowing people away. And they say, yeah, I was just listening to this song, man. Well, I was really into it. Yeah, yeah, it was really into you, too. Why? Because and that's, you say that's an extreme example. It is an extreme example, but it's still an example. Watching filthy movies messes up your mind. Illicit relationships bring guilt. They bring shame. Stealing, lying, complaining, all of this will never leave you content. Does complaining ever leave you content and satisfied? No, it's a fleshly lust that wars against your soul. And when we yield to that fleshly lust, we'll never be happy. But we think we'll be happy. Isn't that a weird thing? I'm going, to, I'm going to feel satisfied because I complain. Man, you know, if you're in college, man, the, the rules in the, in the college, that's a stupid rule. And why, why, why do they have to have that one? And, and, and we talk about, you know, laws in the government. Why do this and why that? And, 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 and we're gonna, we're feel, we feel really good because we vent a little bit. But really, you don't feel good. Because we've yielded to our lust. We actually are less content because of that and less satisfied. No, but I'm satisfied because I, I got it off my chest. I got to speak my mind. In fact, I let somebody have it the other day. That's not contentment. It's not peace. And so, I, I hope you get to see that as we're looking here, what will lust lead to? First of all, guaranteed conflict. There is a war. There is a battle. It's against you. And it doesn't promote contentment. It lies through its teeth, telling us we'll be happy. And we're never happy. You can take a, light, a more lighthearted approach to it and say, Oh, you know, you see all those goodies at Christmas time and everyone's got this and got that. Well, I'll just take one. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you take another one. And then you've overeaten and you go home and say, 
I'm glad I did that. No, you don't. You go home and say, I shouldn't have done that. And next party I go to, the next get-together I go to, the next fellowship I go to, I am not going to do that. And we laugh, but we know it's true. Okay. Let me get on to the next point. So what, what is this lust going to lead to? Yes, conflict. That, should just, that right there should scare us enough to say, this is not my friend. It's going to stab me every time I embrace it. Then we look at, uh, secondly, pain. Now, look at 2 Peter with me. 2 Peter chapter number 2. We're close by. Just turn over a few pages. 2 Peter chapter 2. Now, we're talking here about Lot. Of course, we know, if you look with me in verse number 7, it says, and delivered just Lot. He was a just man, although you wouldn't know it by the way he was living. It says he was vexed with the filthy conversation of the world. So this is what got to him. The world, their filthy conversation, their dirty, defiled conversation, the lifestyle of the world, he was vexed by it. Verse number 8, For that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day, with their unlawful deeds. Again, a lot here in this passage. So these unlawful deeds that kind of sound a little bit familiar to uh, forbidden lusts. They're unlawful deeds and he was being vexed by them. That word vex is not a word that we use a lot in our uh, society today. But the word vex here literally means to torture. To torture. So... Lot was tortured, if you want to say, by, in verse 7, by the filthy conversation of the wicked. He was tortured by it. Not because he was discouraged because of it. He was tortured because he was a righteous man. He knew he shouldn't have that and shouldn't engage in what they were engaging in. But he wanted it. And thus was the torture. And then in verse number 8, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing. So he, he was dwelling among the wicked, didn't have to be there. He chose to go to a wicked place, started to get kind of comfortable. But as we see, wasn't really comfortable because he was being vexed. And he was seeing and hearing, and that righteous soul of his was vexed from day to day with their unlawful deeds, those forbidden lusts, he was exposed. And by the way, he, he, this is self-inflicted torture, isn't it? Putting yourself in, in a place of temptation, not getting away from those things that you know are going to hurt you. Vexing is a slow but steady process. It's... Um, it says there day to day, that the day to day exposure to temptation, especially those temptations that you can control, are going to torture you. Say, so, you know, 
I shouldn't look at this. I shouldn't, probably shouldn't be on this website. I probably shouldn't be looking at this thing over here. I probably should be careful, but I can handle it. You can handle torturing your soul from day to day. You can handle And so the idea of torturing is inflicting pain. This is self-inflicted pain. So there's conflict, and any time there's conflict, it just makes sense that there's going to be some pain if, if war is involved, and that's what this passage is teaching us. That, again, it's not our friend. It doesn't make us feel good. You say, but I do feel good for that moment. Yes, but it always comes with regret if you're saved. It comes with consequences. And the devil certainly wants us to fall into these pitfalls. He wants us in this pitfall of lust. And we started with this one. This is... This is This is day-to-day living right here. This is where the rubber meets the road. You and I have a corrupt flesh. We do like sinful things. I was counseling someone recently. and said, you you like this? Yes. Said, you know know that the Bible... uh, is, is true, yes. And we shouldn't like that, yes. So we have to figure it out that sometimes our depraved hearts want things that God doesn't want us to have. And when we decide we want them anyway, we're tempting God, just like we read earlier. And that can lead to judgment and even destruction in the long run. So uh, a man in in one of our churches over there in Zambia, uh, he struggled with drinking quite a bit. And we tried to work with him and tried to help him. I remember going and visiting his house and, and visiting him. And as soon as I did that, it hit me why he was having such a hard time. He lived about just a couple doors down from a bar. And the bar was like a house and the doors are open, guys are out in the front, they're all drinking, drinking inside, drinking outside, the music's going. And he, he goes by, he walks, he walked by at any time he'd go somewhere. Um, yeah, he couldn't resist the temptation. You know what I counseled him to do? Move! Don't, don't vex yourself. Get away from it. You know, there are some situations that, you know, some people need to move. Some people need to find a new job. Some people need to do different things. But do what you need to do. If, if you know this thing is torturing you, there's some stores maybe you shouldn't go to. Just do what you need to do to get away from sin. Now, don't stay out of church to do that. Pastor Olson says, I need to move away. I didn't say away, just maybe a different neighborhood or whatever. I know a guy who, I won't go into details, but it wasn't from around here, but some, faced some real temptation to get even with somebody who really underhandedly burned him. And he had to drive by the guy's house 
just about every time he had to go somewhere that was important. So he had to find a different way to drive around so he didn't see that house and see at that house what was bothering him so much. Do what you need to do. Amen. We need to make sure we understand that yielding to our lusts is going to cause pain. It's going to torture us. Lust tortures our souls. And we're not going to be satisfied, so to speak, until we get our desire. All right? Oh, oh, I shouldn't, but oh, oh, just a little bit. Oh, and then you give in. And then you're not satisfied. But you're not going to be satisfied until you give in. And when you do give in, you're not satisfied. So we need to try to prevent ourselves from putting ourselves into those situations that we know we're going to be tempted. Okay, so we see, first of all, conflict. This is what lust will lead to. Pain. I want you to turn with me to uh, James, chapter number one. Just back a few pages there. James, chapter number one. Verse number 15, and this, this will cover the next two points. It says, uh, then when lust, well, I can start with verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived. So once this lust is, is, is conceived, it's, it's, it's going now. It bringeth forth sin. And sin. When it is finished, bringeth forth death. So the next point, uh, so it brings conflict, it brings pain, but it brings, thirdly, sin. It's clearly mentioned here. Lust, when it is finished, bringeth forth sin. That is, or I'm sorry, uh, when it's conceived, bringeth forth sin. That's the goal. Why is lust Festering, It wants, has an end game. The end game. You said, well, you said it was pain. Yeah, it's pain. It's conflict, all that. But the end game is sin. That's where it's going to lead to. So once we yield to lust, now we have sinned. Having a desire is one thing. Yielding to it is when it becomes sin. We're all going to have desires. Those temptations are going to come. They're going to flash before us. You might have gone to the store. You might have gone somewhere. You might be going out soul winning with the intention to help people. And then all of a sudden, here comes this temptation that you weren't planning on. Well, the temptation itself is not sin, but yielding to it and lusting after it and stepping into that temptation now is where it becomes sin. So lust leads to sin. Well, let's think about this. Does God like sin? No. Does your fallen, depraved nature like sin? Yes, and so does mine. So God hates sin, but lust promotes sin. Therefore, just makes sense. I'm just going through this. Lust seeks what God hates. So when we are yielding to lust, we are yielding to what God hates. And the more you lust, the more you will sin because 
when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. That's why we need to not be lusting, not be thinking and focusing on things that we shouldn't have. And people do not usually fall in, in one area of their lives either. If you yield to one fleshly lust, we're now, as the Bible talks about, walking in the flesh, not in the spirit. And it's so much easier to yield to another one, right? Getting drunk is a lustly flesh, isn't it? But you know, people who get drunk are a whole lot more likely to commit immorality than someone who's not. You know, people who are affected by rock music. Rock music, by definition, really is an essential, immoral type of music. It's not surprising, then, that those people who are given over to rock music are more likely to commit fornication. Why? Because yielding to one sin just puts you in the flesh and makes it so much easier to yield to another sin. And it just doesn't stop with, I'm going to complain. You say, well, that's, that's a lighter one. It's going to lead to something else. So we've got to look at lust as our enemy. Stop embracing it. And be afraid of it. Then, so it's going to lead to sin. And also, we found there in verse number 15, uh, death. That's the fourth of the uh, things that lust will lead to. Or you could say consequences, if you'd like to say it that way. And so in verse 15 again, Then one lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin... When it is finished, bringeth forth death. Death is the end result. And lust and sin work together, and it destroys the soul. It destroys our relationship with God. It kills our prayer life. It kills relationship and annihilates the inner peace that God wants us to have. It causes, you know, sin brings forth death. It causes people's lives to end early, right? How many uh, drunk drivers end up dying or killing someone else because they were drinking? Someone yielded to their lust and it affected them and or someone else. People, oh, you know, it's really big now is gambling, sports betting. It's everywhere. Sports betting. Say, wow, you know, they're giving us free money. If I, you know, first bet's free. That's not really gambling then, is it? They wouldn't be giving you free money if they knew they weren't going to get more out of you. Why would you flirt with sin and lust? The, the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's the idea of gambling. You love money. You want more of it. Give me money without having to work for it. It's free. <laughs> Nothing in life is free except salvation. But that still costs the Lord something. So don't yield because it brings death. It brings death. And so we have to be careful about this. Uh, let's tackle number three real quickly. 
That way I think I can do number four next week and be done. Number three, whose fault is it? This lust, whose fault is it? You say, well, it's the devil's. It's uh, the sin's fault. It's temptation's fault. Actually, it's our fault. Now, I want you to see this back in, uh, we're in James chapter one. Look in verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away. And I have these next three words underlined in my Bible. Uh, drawn away of what? These next three words, his own lust and enticed. His own lust. Every man, his own lust. Every woman, her own lust. You have your lust, I have my lust. And what draws me away? My lust. What draws you away? Your lust. That's what it is. That's what it is. We can't blame the devil. We can't blame temptation. We live in a society we want to blame everybody and never take personal responsibility. If I give in to sin, it's my fault. It's not someone else's fault who tempted me. It's my fault. Our lust, drawn away, literally means to drag. It drags us to temptation. How is it that two Christians could go in the same place, one's tempted by something, the other one's not tempted by something? Because one's lust says, I want that, it's dragging them. It could be one day you can walk past the temptation. The next day you're drawn to the temptation and your lust takes it. Why? Because one day you've yielded to the Holy Spirit and you're not walking after your lusts. And you can go right by it and not have to yield to it. But the next day you're not walking in the Spirit. You're just fulfilling yourself. You want to do what you want to do and... You see what you want to see and you say, and your lust grabs you and brings you to it. Our hearts are dirty and depraved and corrupt. There's not one person in here that is squeaky clean. Now God changes us, but our human heart, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? No one can know it. That's why we come to church. That's why we read our Bibles. We attempt to follow God's plan and will for our lives. And we yield to temptation because of our lust. So we need to take personal responsibility for our sin, for our actions, for our attitudes. And we need to admit that our lust is wicked. And it resides in our hearts. And stop blaming, well, I saw this on the internet. I saw this when I went to the store. I saw this. Let's stop blaming everybody else. We should be able to live in a fallen world and not yield to every single temptation that's out there. It's our own defiled lust to draw us there. And once we can understand that and admit that, now we can do battle against it. Right? Because lust is against you. So don't make it your friend. Let's pray. Father, we <clears throat> thank you for your word, the clarity of it. Thank you for helping with this lesson, Lord. So grateful, Lord, that you uh, give us something from your word to help us. And Lord, I pray that you'd help all of us as we battle our flesh and battle our lusts to have victory. And Lord, as we come back next week, that we can... Uh, find some, some hope and some help from your word to overcome uh, the lusts that reside in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So.
You'll have to come back next week, college students. You'll just have to tune in. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break.